Okay, today I'm in Gibraltar with gaming industry professional Charlie McCann. Charlie, thanks very much for uh, agreeing to talk to us here in these lovely surroundings. Lovely surroundings, I've brought the weather, it's beautiful back in <coughs> in the UK and I'm afraid to say so, it's awful here but uh, that's very rare but um, thank you and thank you for having me as well. Oh you're welcome you, and you did mark my card to tell me that it was going to be horrible weather so I brought a coat but my card marker tells me that Charlie McCann is a very clever punter and he does his own thing so uh, well, let's elaborate on that. It's very kind of um, whoever it was marked your card but uh, like everybody else we, we have our ups and downs. We had a quite successful Cheltenham I must say was 10 points um, to level stakes of a pound, um, profit but thought it was very very enjoyable but successful yes to, to an extent I think like everybody else I think the landscape has changed and it is more difficult I also think the older you get the windier you get as well I don't mean the wind that's outside I mean you you, you think to yourself well you know when you, maybe you don't have the, the confidence of youth and things like that and, and maybe the, the landscape change and not being maybe able to get on as as, as big as other you know and, and um, the restrictive nature <coughs> of the industry as, as such um, but I think more and more I sort of the older you get I do think you you get slightly more conservative but I've certainly had a good go at it that's for sure you talk about restrictive though so are you a serious enough punter to have a few quid on when you when you do that I, I certainly used to I would suggest uh, now Simon no no not that um, I am probably I'm afraid to say for, for some people one of those who sort of does get on early and sort of takes advantage should we say of, of of maybe ricks and inverted commas but you've got to remember is I as a horse racing trader if I was I've got to price up every race you know the night before largely I know they will get their tissues and things like that but of course I think if you one of the things I would recommend for, for punters is specialism whether it be a six furlong sprint if that is rocks your boat or or maybe chases or handicap chases particularly I think that is gives you an edge over somebody if you're not particularly interested in juvenile hurdles I wouldn't I wouldn't know the first real interest I had was Vauban versus Pied Piper and um, when Pied Piper won um, that was probably the first juvenile hurdle I looked more than you know more than glanced at so far this season it's not really a specialism and I do think that that it gives you the edge I and 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 traders and everybody has to sort of mark up you know let's say for 24 races a day <clears throat> you don't have to bet in 24 races and I think that is 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 key and um, whether I'm successful I've certainly had successful times like everybody and every, anyone who says that they're successful all the time of course you know um, well we have words for that you know um, nobody is nobody is and you have peaks and troughs as a punter, I think my most memorable races are defeats. I know it sounds crackers, but the two races I remember most vividly are sort of seconds. And if, if I was to, I actually think it almost sums up my, you know, you've been with Victor recently and close but no cigar. <clears throat> I'll always remember one of my, my first was the 1986, I think it was the 86 Grand National won by the Captain Forster horse. Oh, his name escapes me. And I'd watched Mr. Snugfist when he was trained by Mick Easterby and he wasn't in the colours of um, Terry, um, the very famous um, punter who bought the horse 
Terry Ramsden. Terry Ramsden. Terry Ramsden bought it the year later when he finished fourth to, I think, um, West Tip. But the year before, I, I was in Nottingham and I saw him win. And I used to go into, I, I was working in, in, in the Midlands at the time, and I used to go into a, a betting shop and have a pound each way, a pound win. And I did this since the anti-post book came out for it. And I was absolutely convinced that Mr. Snugford would win the Grand National. And Captain Forster gave <coughs> the last suspect, <coughs> was the name of the horse, he gave Ewell Davis the instructions, Captain Forster in this sort of way said to him, um, um, what's the instructions boss, Ewell Davis asked him, and he said, keep remounting. So that was the confidence behind this thing. And Mr. Snugford went sort of clear it was in, in the Arkle Colours, of course, and Duchess of Westminster. And he went clear, <coughs> Mr. Snugfit. And I don't care who you are. And the next thing you know, this Ewell Davis got, and his tail propelled Last Suspect forward. And he pipped, he, he didn't just pip him, he collared him halfway up the running. And I always remember that. And I always went, in, went into the betting shop or, or betting shops when I'd put up. And you could almost see everybody looking at me. And a couple of more, almost, I mean, you, your mind is sort of hazy at this stage, almost sort of broke into a round of applause because I'd, all those within earshot, I'd suggested this from a long time, that anyway, it didn't win. And the other one was Hawkwing in 2002, in 2001, 2002. And um, I insist they completely tooled up Horsewing's career. Aidan O'Brien is a genius and you used to be saying, well, you should say, who are you? And his, his stud career would suggest that he was, you know, and his progeny are a bit quirky, shall we say. And I'm sure he was a bit quirky. But how they ran that horse in the derby on soft ground when they had the winner anyway. But Hawkwing I'd seen win the uh, national stakes the year before as a juvenile. And I was absolutely convinced this horse will win the guineas. It's as simple as that, he will win the guineas. And uh, I was very close with, with, with a good friend called Russ Wiseman at the time and we worked together in Bet Direct in Liverpool at the time and I remember the Monday I'd, I'd back this horse and again similar things little little amounts over a long period of time and on the Monday I don't know how um, Russ turned around to me and said I know you still think Hawkwing's got to be pointed in the right, right direction but for what it's worth I've just heard <coughs> The Rock of Gibraltar is going to run, not in the French Guineas. He was always going to go in the French Guineas, but he's going to go in English Guineas. And I said, I couldn't be bothered. And that was one of the worst mistakes I made. And of course, history will tell you that Jamie was maybe a bit overconfident. I don't know, but goodness me, he was trying to catch a good, a really good horse. And that from, they are the, the two races. If, you know, looking back, I always remember that you know, and I'm afraid that I would almost say that sort of highlights my sort of punting. That for all my knowledge and and, and goodness knows I work at it. Um, I may have you know. I, you think you, it's a punter's mentality. Of course, we always think. You know, I backed Conflated without Aloha last week. I backed Farrick Delen at twenty to one each way, and I backed another horse with, with, which came down. So, besides you, you, you winners. You win as you maybe don't remember as much as your your you know, your losers, but um, 
It was very kind of whoever said that. So these days, is your is your is it purely form study? Do you still price up, or do you get all these shrewdies in Gibraltar marking your card? Is that how it works? <clears throat> the, the expression "shrewdies in Gibraltar" is not one that sort of trips off <laughs> off the tongue. I, I no, no, I I I don't. Um, I must say, I you know, um, that's not, I, I don't think that that's fair to say that you know it's a totally the new market for, for flat racing or sort of landborn whatever. You know, I, I, I no, I, I get, I back my own winners and I back my own losers. Um, Do you still price races up? Oh God, no, no. Please don't think I, I have a book, and um, when I'm doing my sort of chases and things that I will have a no. No, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I would never, would never um, say that. I, but I would have a, I, I will write my column the night before, not the night before. So the great thing, the 48 hour declarations. I've already sort of can tell you I've backed a horse tomorrow at um, uh, on you know, 24 hours in advance. Um, with 48-hour declarations, I think that's key. I will have an, a you know idea what this what this horse should be, and if it's below that, so be it. And if it's higher, then yeah, sorry, that is. And but please don't think I go. I think that should be six to four and things like that. And I've got my 110% book or whatever. I don't. No, and I never have done. I've never been that good. I've never been, and I would never purport. I think you know some people have described me, going back you not now of course, but going back years as a professional punter. Oh no, never, no. But you what? you were a winning punter. So how long did it take you to become a winning? How, how long was your apprenticeship for doing your money before you became successful? Well, I, I used to go into the betting shops in in, in Liverpool, and I remember one sort of famous occasion. I was out of my zone, should we say? Everybody used to know me, and everyone used to sort of. Um, I always remember I had a sort of reputation in in the local um, betting shops and things like that. And, and you, you, I don't care who you are. Sometimes you have good days and bad days, and and I, I think I'd had a bad day. And um, <coughs> somebody came up to me in the in the betting shop and said, "Have you got a a, a tip for me um, for today?" And I said, "Yeah, don't smoke in bed." And you know what I'm going to say now, five minutes later, he did, honestly, he did come back and said, where's that running? Um, but how long did it take me? An awful lot of losers. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I still don't think that there's this, I've had too many bets. That's one of my sort of, you know, for, for somebody, everybody, you know, I think in people who know me, you know, I, I, I am... Um, I'm not a mug punter, but I probably do have too many. Although I think this no notional sort of thing that you only have one better week if you're a professional punter, that was never, that's guff. That's guff. Did, did it always in, has been guff. Did working in the industry make you a better punter? <sighs> did it? Um, I, I, yes. Because I don't care who you, you, you've, you, but you get plenty of losers sort of recommended to you. But it, of course you get sort of focused you know to you know and again if if you are beginning to sort of you know you, you don't want to let people down i always remember <clears throat> you know I, I i gave a talk once in the grand national meeting at entry and it was in the the top top chase and i tipped a horse of the blue um i think it was josh rather than um Josh Gifford, it may be even um, his son, it may be even Nick's, and it was in the blue of David Dunster. And I thought it was a stone bonker. I know it was in the top, but I thought it was a certainty. 
and this guy in the front row said, um, <coughs> what do you think of this horse? And I, I should know it. I should know the name of it because uh, it should be etched on my brain. And I said, well, I said, he, he's, he's seven pounds out the handicap. Do you, do you know what that means? I said, it, it should be that, you know, he should only, he should be carrying nine stone seven instead of he's carrying ten stone. And he said, so you don't think it's got much chance? And I went, well, no, I don't really. The first 12 in the bet, this Dunstan horse was clear coming over, going to four out, I think, the smallest fence on the, the course, and fell, obviously. And the first 12 in the betting fell. And this horse, of course, it was like the tortoise and the hare, this, this horse sort of plodding up 66 to 1. Anyway, I, it's fair to say I didn't go back into the box. And you. <laughs> You can have too much information, and and, and, th and I've done that many a time, made a, a horlux of, of, of talks. But you, 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 I don't care. You know, if you go back into a box and you've tipped a winner, and you think, oh God, you're Billy Big Boy. You know, and you, you, you think, and um, but it took a long, you know, a long time, and more importantly, hard work as well. I, I think I, I don't think there's any way around it. But I would also say as well that we as punters, again, you know, I don't look at sort of. I don't look at probably 60% of the races the following day. I do now tend to specialise in chases and handicap chases um, specific, uh, uh, especially. And one of the things I'm really keen on is weather and things like that. And the BBC weather forecast is appalling. And on the flat, I think, again, five furlong, six furlong sprinters. Yeah, great. Yeah, they're for somebody else. Thanks, guys. If you please don't even. And a mile. And especially, I think, 10 furlongs on uh, upwards and handicaps again. Um, but I tend to, it's more going and the effect of the draw as well. But over 10, 12 furlongs, that would be my bag. Okay, Charlie. Now, you, you told me that cricket was your first love. Mm. And you also told me, actually, my card marker told me as well, that you've got a very good story about catching a particularly famous cricketer out. You know, elaborate on that. <coughs> yeah, yeah. When I was in my in my youth um, Lancashire were playing Sussex and what they did Saturday um, first of a three day county championship game Tuesday, uh, Sunday John Player League game uh, Monday Tuesday and Lancashire second team I wasn't involved of course I wasn't on the staff or anything um, and on the Sunday Stephen O'Shaughnessy who famously hit six sixes and an over in a county championship game and is now a first class umpire Shawnee was told to go and play for the second team because he needed the practice and he was 12th man. So on the Sunday they said, you know, and, and I was more, I think it's fair to say, more the social secretary when Lancashire came to, to Liverpool. Uh, but I knew all the players and everything. And, say, yeah, yeah. and of course they knew I played under 16s, under 18s, under 25s. But yeah, Charlie can do it for two days. Well, we got there and it was a really grey, <coughs> mizzled day at Old Trafford. They're playing Sussex. And Lancashire had, uh, Sussex had got, not, not a great deal, maybe 280 on the Saturday. And they put Lancashire in, um, I think declared rather than bowled out. And, and Lancashire were three for one. And, and the wicketkeeper was Chris Scott, and he'd gone in as night watchman. So in those days, you had to um, get dressed downstairs, the uncapped players, with the two umpires. One of them was the famous umpire, Bill Alley. Um, and we went downstairs. And we were, got changed, so there's myself, Ian Cobain, who really was, was, was the sort of catalyst for, for why I was there. 
grandfather, Paul Allard, John Abrams, I think, and, and you'd have to go upstairs. In those days, you were supposed to knock at the door of the cap players. So I went in, and the next thing you know, I could see outside some of the batsmen, including a very famous Lancashire batsman, um, and they were praying for rain. Odin! And I, I couldn't understand what was going on. Odin! What was going on? And they, they were petrified of Imran and Garth LaRue on that wicket in Old Trafford. And Jesus, they were like, oh no, oh no. So, of course, my 12th man duties, Lancashire batting, was to clean the fridge. So that was what I was told to do first. So I'm down on all fours cleaning the fridge. <clears throat> and there's no, no mobile phones, of course, in those days. And Jack Simmons is on the phone organising his benefit. Um, constantly, and so I'm there, and Jack's there, only in a jockstrap as well. I'm must, must add, and sort. I'm down on all fours. I'm like, God Almighty, what's what is going on? And the next thing you know, Imran did <coughs> hit Chris Scott's thumb, broke his thumb, um, and he was carted off, went to hospital. Um, Lancashire did avoid the follow-on, um, so he went out to uh, to bat. Uh, so we went out to field rather, Sussex. When, when he, Imran came in to look at the well-being. Chris Scott had been to and from the hospital. And he came to the, the dressing room door, Imran. How are you, Scotty? And he just asked, you know, how are you, Scotty? And of course, all the batsmen were saying, oh, oh, isn't that really kind of you? Thank you, Mr. Imran, for... And Willie Hogg was you know, one of our opening bowlers. And he said, hey, you, go on, beat it. Hey, you, beat it. And he suggested to him that he'd give him a few bounces in, um, <clears throat> when he went out to bat. So anyway, for the, se the se second innings, um, Sussex second. Anyway, Gear Mendes was Gear Mendes was out caught and bowled uh, first ball. I think by, I think Nick Malone was the overseas player. It's all a bit. Um, and Imran came in and he had a white helmet on, and I was fielding at mid off, and everyone was bouncing. It. They just decided we may well. He's going to bounce us. Him and Garth are going to bounce us anyway. So he he was bouncing in anyway. I was down at fine leg, <clears throat> and he bounced and he made a big top edge. And I was thinking it's going right down my throat. And he went about six rows back for six. <laughs> next over, bang, hits it straight up near straight to mid off. Where of course I was in for the next over. And I, oh, I can remember to this day. I can see him with his white helmet, walking off towards the pavilion, because of course he did it, it's basically catch that. But of course, oh, if I drop it, I might be able to run him out. <laughs> so, but of course, he, anyway, I, I, did, I did catch it. And that night as well, I always remember, the, <clears throat> it was the game was sponsored by ATS, ATS Tires, who were quite a big name sport, um, sponsored ATS Giants, Manchester uh, basketball team as well. And um, the ATS girls were at the top of the stairs. <clears throat> and we, saying myself, Cobain, Alec Fall walked up and of course we thought, well, yeah, I can imagine I did that, I thought, God. these girls, to say they looked down on us and then of course they were waiting for Garth and Imran and, and of course their mood changed when they, beautiful looking men, arrived but were we pleased when Imran and Garth, the Sussex bus by this time, coach had gone off Gone, gone off back to the hotel leaving Garth LaRue and Imran 
and these two air stewardesses came in, leaving these two ATS girls. And we gave them a right volley as well. Um, but that is my, you know, and the other, I played in Barry Wood's testimonial game as well at Park Gate at Neston, and um, I let the ball through my legs for Neston to beat Lancashire on that occasion. Or I did, I was a batsman more than a bowler, although I, I got two wickets in, in the first over, my first over. And I went down and, and play had to be stopped because there was about uh, 1,500 people on the ground and all these kids came, thought I was famous. They had no idea, of course, you know, and I think, you know, in the, in the programme it was, might have been Mick Malone or somebody like that. So I was signing these autographs for about 30 seconds and I was signing um, Mick Malone, I was then, you know, Michael Holding, you know, I was, I, my, I always remember that as well and I was a bit disrespectful, but I, I was just too... You, who the hell was interested in, in, in somebody? Although they, checking they them, had caught, checking them now, weren't they? They had. <laughs> yes, I don't think. Yeah, quite. But you've made. This is what I've been told. You've made good profit punting on cricket over the years. So did was, how have you managed that? I mean, was was playing an insight? I mean, how's di how different is it picking a winner at the cricket than it is trying to pick a winner of a horse race? For the ground. <clears throat> For the ground in horse racing, read the pitch in cricket, and it's I think arguably the most significant, um, the most significant thing. I mean, my, my wife, my poor wife, if she were here now, she could, I must be one of the only people in the solar system who's interested in the women's um, ODI. I think I, I think it's been absolutely fantastic, and I still think England have got a chance of winning it. They lost the first three. I think they're going to win the next four. I, I, I'm more a cricket fan these days than a cricket punter, but I do think, feel that you can almost, I think if you, you can feel the batsman's under pressure, something's got to give, something's got to, it's got, you, especially in one day. So you're betting running then, is that what be oh, the game? Yes. Oh yes, yeah, betting um, in, in running. Oh, oh, um, again, something, something sort of recreational, and I would take, yeah, have, I'm afraid to say these days, too many small, Recreational because I know I'm going to watch it for the next couple of hours and things like that. And, but cricket, cricket is my first love. Cricket and Everton are my first loves, and and I've been fortunate enough because of my, you know, I'm as as a sports person, you know, I I was, you know, a good cricketer, a good basketball player, a good footballer, not very good at any of any of those three. But injury, sort of, you know, and, and I'm afraid I'm chronically arthritis, arthritic, and I'm on my, <laughs> I know it sounds crackers, I'm on my fourth left knee, second right knee, second right hip, and third left hip, and I'm awaiting a, a fourth left, so a third total knee replacement. So, how young a man were you when your, um, when your, you know, obviously something you loved was, uh, was taken I mean, away? I was in my when I was at, when I was at university. I I was basically um, told that I was a hypochondriac. And he said, the pain, the pain you are describing is not what it's on these x-rays. So, fine, fine. I carried on and carried on. But always remember, <clears throat> we will have Sunday mornings, Asda shopping was hell. Asda equals hell. Football Sunday afternoons, when I was sort of single, I would be on the couch. And of course, didn't, sorry, Simon, this is before remote controls. I found it easier to roll off the couch, roll and turn the channels over, and roll, I couldn't get back up because the pain was, was throughout, throughout my sort of body. But nobody told me I was, 
I was completely knackered until I went in one day and I always remember the first time I went into to hospital again I was I was sort of um, late 20s and I went in and x-rays on some knee it was knees and and a nurse came in looked at it and I said oh I've left my can't remember it was the racing post the sporting life I've left it in the um, in the cubicle so I, I got up to oh I'll get it she said I said pardon I said I'll go in I can get it so I guess I thought that was strange <clears throat> anyway the next thing you know the consultant Mr. Calvary came in and went went next thing you know about ten people huddled into and of course he was having um, a discussion with them about blah blah blah, 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 blah uh, you know, what was wrong with me and then he turned around to his second in and he said will, she, will you tell him or shall I and he said will you tell him please and he just turned around to me and he said what have you been doing and it was almost a relief it was almost I know it sounds crazy but this pain I, I, I was sort of getting and then of course I had I had put part of my left upper tibia sawn out put a cheese like, like in it almost like a wedge you know it broke my legs and sick and that gave me about six or seven years before uh, I had my first um, knee replacement and since then and in, since 2015 I've had seven operations um, Is that part of the reason for moving to warmer climate? Absolutely and please, please, Sam. That sounds incredibly clever. I was I was working for Bet Direct by this time. Bet Direct was sold by Edward and Thirty Two Red, and I was offered the opportunity to come out here. My parents would, had both died. My wife's parents had, had, had recently passed. My son had just finished his GCSEs, and my wife and my daughter just was going from junior school to secondary school. So it was a, a, you know, an opportunity which we couldn't have had say 12 months earlier probably two months 12 months later took it 15 years on here we are but yes that was a sort of an underlying factor okay now you mentioned that you're a fervent evertonian so do i assume that you don't win punting on football <laughs> sorry well i've um, <clears throat> whispered i backed liverpool to win the four um I've backed Everson to be relegated. I know, I know you shouldn't do it, but I have because I get Ever Everson won the first three games of the season, and I I told everyone that Everton would finish in the bottom half. I didn't think they even Benitez could get us relegated. That Everton would finish in the Arsenal would finish in the top six, not the top four, um, and they were my bet. Anyway, Arsenal lost the first three. Everton uh, won the first three. Oh God, the abuse. Abuse, but in, in in the famous song, um, you're not singing anymore. But you are a tipster, aren't you? So you do have a, bear oh, well, a bit of responsibility for when people, uh, you know, when they follow. Oh no, you. I don't really, I don't really tip on football. No, that that, that that ship sailed. Oh yes, yes, I used to, and I used I, um, I did pieces. You know, um, recently I did a piece with Kevin Campbell. Um, I used to do things. Rob McCaffrey, a great friend of mine, and John Richardson from the Sunday Mirror. We had a couple of seasons, you know, of, of um, blogs, and they, they were fabulous. We, you know, I used to really look forward to. I think Kevin Campbell was a bit, you know, this was well before Christmas, and I was really concerned for the for, for Everton. I really was. I still am. I know if we survive this year, I think we can upturn. When you think of the, we the people we, excuse me, we can get off our wage bill. But we've been we've 
bored appallingly badly, you know, absolutely appallingly. And great to me when people like Sam Allardyce go on um, in the media and, and says that he, and of course he's quite right, and he, he got Everton from, what was it, 15th or 16th, but, you know, <clears throat> Kurt Zuma's cat could have got Everton to, to safety that year. Okay, he got them to 8th. But he did buy Theo Walcott and Jane Tosin for fifty million pounds on inflated wages, and we we have we've got nothing in return for them. So let's say that's about a hundred million pounds he squandered. We've squandered some extraordinary, extraordinary. It's, it's um, I didn't think there was anything wrong with Benitez. Uh, with <laughs> what am I saying? With Roberto Martinez, I would also have given Silva more time. I remember. Um, you know, I've ghostwritten a few football columns for people who know a bit more than you know, about the game. And he was saying that somebody who's played for Manchester United, you can probably work it out, Manchester United, Watford and indeed Everton, um, said that Marco Silva is the best coach he's ever played under. And that all includes anyone at Old Trafford by a long way. Now, Charlie, I was lucky enough recently to interview uh, Victor Chandler, who I believe you work for. Oh, I was, yeah. Um, oh, goodness me, I know, I know Victor well. A great man. A great man. And um, I, I enjoyed a period at, at, at Victor Chandler. And, of course, Victor is, you know, sold the business then to, to Michael. And, you know, some people, I think, will say it's a lot more commercially orientated, should we say, than you. Whereas, dare I say, the Victor Chandler of old... The Bet Victor of old was was a maybe more family almost. I know it sounds like it's of course a family business, but it was a you felt part of. of I mean, it, Victor was still. Uh, I, I remember <clears throat> Victor coming down to me the the morning of the Frankel, of when Frankel won the won the two thousand guineas, and he's smoking. He was like, you, know, you couldn't smoke in in Gibraltar for years, but Victor found a way to because he couldn't give it. It was his, as far as he was concerned. Just laid a bet, um, Frankel for the guineas. Ten, this is the morning of the race, and it's quite early in the morning. I think he went off four to six, eight to thirteen. And I said, uh, "He said, what do you think?" And he said, the "Word out." Of, and I was friendly with Tony Elves and another work watcher, a friend of mine called Steve Brunskill. And they were work watchers, and they'd become quite friendly with with, with Henry. And to say they couldn't have this horse beaten was an understatement and I said well I think it's the biggest certainty that's ever and he took another <sighs> bollocks he just laid 550,000 um, at 10 to 11 um, and I think the punter wanted a bit a bit more I hope Victor won't mind me because of course you know, Victor was historically you know, he took to a big bet and things and you know, he, he almost never broke stride apart from and off he went back upstairs, and, and but you you couldn't sort of not have a sort of an affection for him. He told me stories about him and you know and the people in the game, and, and which obviously are X-rated, and you know things like you know, stories about Leicester, you know, and, and of course if if you want them to be sort of funny and you gregarious, you know, and, and he told me one night, and ah, oh God, you know, you could hang almost on his every word. Um, but they were great days, and then of course. Um, um, Mr. Tabor took over. I remember I told him was one of his 2,000 guineas winners um, wouldn't win the derby, and it was about five to four. 
and I'd only I'd never spoken to him before really and he was coming around the office and I said all oh, this guff about him staying a mile and a half he won't as it turned out he didn't but and he sort of looked at me he said oh right yeah I mean he didn't know me from Adam oh, despite the fact of course I was the, the face and well sorry to say and the voice maybe of, of um, Beck Victor at the time um, but then my health began, began to give way and of course my job sort of entailed going on course and things that I couldn't do there I, I was a cripple um, to all intents and purposes and the pain by this time <clears throat> I was, I couldn't sleep at night because of, um, because of the pain and the arthritis and it, it was just, it, it was a, a bad time for me and then I had all my surgeries and, and I thought it was the right time to, uh, uh, to leave and I, I still worked for, for um, Beth Victor for, until March 2020 and, um, and then we, we, we cut ties all together. But, Happy days, but before that, I should you know, sort of mention I, I mentioned about Edward, and Ed gave me the opportunity to come over. And then, Thirty Two Red never worked out, although it's been a, such a magnificent casino operation. And of course, that was then sold on for almost two hundred million. Um, but the sports bet, the sports um, betting was operation was sold to Stan James, and I worked for Peter Fisher and the Fisher family there, and they were that was great as well. So where did the talk sport come into it? Talk sports, well, before that, <clears throat> Simon, I was great friends with a guy called Rob McCaffrey. When I was in, working in, in, in university, and, and he would often come in and he'd just bellow to anybody. He's wasted. He's wasted. Not he's wasted as a being drunk, although uh, <laughs> Letty was without sin. I'm sorry. I'm not sure. um, you know, if the cuff fits. Uh, he, he would just say, and then Robert's career began to take off. And he was offered a, a job right, uh, uh, um, writing an article for a, a weekly sports newspaper. So he said, will you do it? <clears throat> and I said, yeah, okay, yeah. So it, was, it seems now, looking back, an astronomical sum, but we went halves on that. And I was doing that for a number of weeks, number of months, rather. And while that was going on, almost simultaneously, he got offered a job on talk sports as the two Macs for him he was very close with with Alan McAnally the two Macs McCaffrey and McAnally um, and simultaneously the guy said his editor said you, you don't write this do you and he went no he said do you mind if I speak to the person who does and he went not at all no um, which was very kind of Robert because he could have sort of said um, then the two Macs starts and it was a Thursday I know it sounds that but the show was Monday to Thursday off on Friday, so they started on the Thursday then, and he primed me that they were going to have horse racing on Talksport for the first time. I don't know if you maybe I think it was um, it was a big push to get sort of um, people in and they're going to have live horse racing every day, which they did for about eight to ten years, and they may do now for all I know, obviously. Um, anyway, I was all primed for this. Robert said, "You're coming on two on inaugural show of the two Max, great." So I stood by the phone, 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 and it never, it never rang. And he came off, <clears throat> when he came off there, he rang me and said, I'm so sorry. But the um, executive producer, a guy called Mike Parry, he said, he said, um, nobody's ever heard of Charlie McCann, so we got Peter Scudamore. I said, fine, fine, of course. I said, it was my, I feel stupid to even think why somebody would be remotely interested. Weekend, Monday morning came. 
and I'm um, I'm there. And the next thing you know, um, Robert says, "No, we've had a change of heart. You're on." We didn't think Peter, however good he is, he, he wasn't with the sort of tone which is maybe more jocular, more you know whatever. So I said, uh, "No," I said, I, 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 "I'm not standing by the sitting standing sitting by the phone again, and going to be sort of let down again." So we said, right, "Fine." So that was it. Then Mike Parry rang me, and Mike can be most can be quite persuasive and I knew he was an Evertonian and I'd sort of heard of him but of course Mike was no not the persona he is now Mike was a producer rather than of course he and Alan Brazil then went on to make fantastic sort of radio shows Mike was a a, a, a grizzled old journalist um, who had gone into sort of talk sports and was sort of Kelvin McKenzie's sort of right hand man anyway Mike persuaded me and the next thing you know I, I spent about Eight years, eight happy years, and I worked with some wonderful people. M Mike, of course, Mike went from, in, you know, into in front of, um, you know, um, some microphone with the breakfast show. Hawksby and Jacobs, Richard Kaufman, Rob Watton, lovely people, and then on breakfast, you know, other shows as well. And I loved it. I, it, I, I if I could tell you the stories of, of some celebrities as well, who used to come to. Um, to a house in Liverpool because we had an ISDN kit fitted and they used to do sort of Mickey Quinn, um, Ray Houghton, Phil Neal, etc. And I, I, I could tell stories and, and some wonderful story about the late um, Derek Okora with um, James Whale on night night shows as well. I'm afraid they're quite exotically involved in alcohol and things like that but um, oh, people have said to me I should I could write a book just on them, I must say. Okay, and then the other, thing you, the other thing you could write a book on is the betting industry, which you've worked in for a substantial number of years. Um, how do you feel about it these days? Well, I, I think the UK Gambling Act is in need of reform. I think, I think we, are, we are all, you know, everyone needs it. You know, it, it. When it was introduced in 2005, internet betting was, was not a mature industry, and, and so it, it, it does. I worry for horse racing. I think horse racing out of the, the, the betting cricket is still my you know first love and things but I worry about the horse racing um, if they say it's going to sort of with affordability checks and things I, I'm not a great fan of the gambling commission I don't think they really know I don't think they know the sort of business I, I would want them to have more guidelines more clear guidelines as to how much you know they're now saying as well Chris Phillips saying that they're not going to bring in a hundred pounds per month um, affordability um, checks and uh, and and that will be proportionate that is the word that, that Philip used um, Chris Phillips used the gambling minister used this this month but I'm worried that some of the big companies who at this moment in time sponsor sort of horse racing and contribute to sort of British horse racing not in some you know inconsequential in, in, in amounts that they are going to say enough you know to the uk market you know peter jackson the ceo of flutter group said it's going to stagnate and this uk gamble yes of course he's he's getting this in the public domain it was in the daily telegraph i believe um early march he's he's trying to put the wind up the you know the uk um up the government um we can, I, 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 I don't want companies to almost give up on the UK, right? Well, that, that you know, they, people don't want us. 
so we'll go to other territories and if if I had a pound for the number of times people have told me sort of Canada is the, you know is the new that's the place to be going forward I'd probably have about seven or eight pounds in the last in, in the last two weeks um, and I worry that you know that's the UK and the companies who you know have, have largely as shareholders even you know the private companies privately owned companies they've got to look at the territories which are going to increase their revenues and I worry that if the UK Gambling Act comes in and it's very very stringent I know that they have a difficult task because of course I think they sports betting which is you know a, a game of if not you know look it is a skill they are going to divorce that I think from chance and from casino games and things like that and I, I'm not a casino sort of player and in you know, one of the things I was sort of didn't fit particularly well with me was, you know, if you were in meetings and you were saying about acquisition, and you knew getting towards the end that the acquisition was, of course, to get people into sports, but but with that cross fertilisation to sort of casino and things like that, and then of course this can quite consistent, and you know, you 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 have shareholders etc. to to look to, you know, and, and owners. Um, and that was slightly, slightly. I've, I felt slightly uncomfortable. That I worry that if I'm Mister, you know, <clears throat> you know, one of the big companies, we may think, no, the UK don't want us. They don't want our taxes. They don't want, you know. And, and uh, at the same time, will I, as as a, a punter, uh, let's say many punters, they say I've got up to about um, four mobile applications on the on the phone. Um, will they once they get through the uh, affordability checks for one will they right well I've got all this list they were that was good enough for Entain let's see if it's good enough for Flutter let's see if it's good enough for William Hill and you should imagine it should be fine uh, single customer view is not going to come in it was a, 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 a C-level members of, of staff in, in Gibraltar I won't mention his name was speaking to me I was doing some work for EGR on the subject and he was saying that a single customer view and the sharing of data um, throughout the industry is easier in a less mature business but if you've got all this sort of you know data going around and, 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 and so many companies in the UK that's not going to be as easy um, so I do worry I do worry for uh, you know and Martin Crodach I think is uh, from Arc has come out and said a hundred million pounds and be lost to horse racing well, who's going to pick that up mm. and that comes on think on the back of the number of people I who told me last week that they went to Cheltenham and they had an unsatisfactory experience not the racing which was fantastic but you know I, I, I just wonder you know f football is king for a lot of young people and and I just worry about I do worry about horse racing in the in the longer term and the, the, the my worry is that a lot of the marketing spend now in and sponsorship is going to go from horse racing to territories where companies will increase their revenue going forward and not stagnate or destroy. I think destroy was the word Peter Jackson, the CEO of Flutter, used at a recent, um, in a recent interview. And I do worry. Okay, and f um, finally, Charlie, Gibraltar is your home. Mm. Is it home for life? And what have you got? What plans have you got going forward? I, I. I'm sort of semi-retired now. I still write. Um, I still have sort of. Um, I do a bit of um, tipping, and people, you know, I would never charge people 
uh, I sorry I should also say I said never you know I, I, I felt very uncomfortable when my tips on TalkSport went to Charlie's Whispers and you had to pay for them I didn't and I also asked TalkSport how many people and they wouldn't let me know uh, so I make sure that they're completely free completely free now people have said you need a paywall for Charlie no not interested I'm doing a bit of work for <coughs> EGR freelance as well um, I need I need something to just when I get up in the morning to make sure the grey matter because the body's given up but as long as the maybe the, the brain doesn't um, but I, I love it in Gibraltar it's not the cultural capital of the world it's not everybody's cup of tea but those people I, I think there are some snobs who come out for Gibraltar in the gaming industry and look down their nose on it and uh, it's home and it's it's been like your thumb up now it's been it's been good to me and I, I've I've been lucky and, I, and, and that's how, I, if I had one adjective to describe me for all my aches and pains, it would be lucky. Brilliant. Well, on that note, Charlie McCann, thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Simon. Thank, thank you. you. New Betting People interviews are published every week at Star Sports. Exclusive interviews with the key people from the world of sports betting. Check out our full library of interviews at starsportsbet.co.uk. BeGambleAware.org. Over 18 only.